Hey everybody, I'm Robert. I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers, and it's time for another Film Flamers hot take. Uh, last night, at the time of this recording, Chris and I went to go see the Gaspar No French movie Climax. Yeah, we went and saw Climax at the Alamo Draft House in Dallas, and uh, we didn't quite know where to put our emotions on this one. <laughs> yeah, we had to sort of let it meld in our minds for a little bit overnight and then come back and try to talk about it. So um, we just want to say, first of all, some spoilers may be spilled in this particular episode. So if you have not seen Climax and you really want to, press pause and go watch it Mm -hmm. and we'll be here waiting for you. Yeah. And uh, I'm remembering some of our conversations just walking out of the theater. And I think that we both were kind of like, we really liked that, but we can't recommend it. Yeah, I um, was like immediately trying to think of what kind of a rating I would give to it. I'm still not quite sure. I think by the end of this episode, you know, I'll come up with a definite answer. But it's I can see myself recommending this movie for particular reasons, but not wholeheartedly enough that I would like say this is one of those movies that you just have to have to see. Yeah, and I I think it's fair. It almost transcends a rating because it's not a traditional film. Right. It's very uh, experimental in a way. And there's we could have a whole discussion about plot versus story, you know, or something with this film. But I really don't think there's much there to mine as far as I think the director wasn't trying to send a message so much as he was trying to incite a feeling. Right. And you do get kind of a contact high from this film. At least I did. Very definitely. Because, I mean, there's there's so much crazy camera work and a nonstop soundtrack that's playing in the background and even i mean so so much of this movie is based around dance and movement and just some of the angles that these dancers create with their bodies or people dancing next to each other and so on and so forth just really create this hallucinatory experience that i think is what this movie is supposed to be right uh yeah and they actually never showed uh any hallucinations on the part of the dancers from any kind of first person perspective or anything it was all in the camera watching how they were reacting to what was happening to them Mm -hmm. and i think that was a smart move because it still incites that feeling of being in that situation exactly i mean so if i mean if you so if you give anything to this film it's that it's transportive Correct. Yes, I would say that. I would say that it's an experience as opposed to, you know, a story. Mm -hmm. The movie is focused around a LSD-laced sangria punch that the people in this dance troupe are drinking and slowly throughout the night, you know, shit really hits the fan and we sort of see what happens when they've taken all these drugs. And, I mean, this director has other movies that are similar to that. I would say that a lot of Gaspar Noe's work is an experience as opposed to watching a film, right? He, He likes to experiment. Um, not only in the technical aspects of film, but also in some storyline and plots. So one of his earlier movies is called Irreversible. It's another French sort of rape revenge movie. And he really takes that movie to places that we hadn't seen in in cinema before with graphic violence and like sexual depictions. And that's sort of like the school of film that he is a part of. Like I'm a big fan of French extremity movies. So you have things like Irreversible. You have things like High Tension or Martyrs. And this movie fits really well into that particular, you know, subgenre of horror. Yeah. He also did Enter the Void, which is really talked about a lot, yes. I think, in some circles. 
And uh, I have not seen it, but I want to see it, especially after seeing this one. I'd like to see some of his more edgy, edgy work. And that's one thing that we actually came away from in this film was that we were expecting it to be more disturbing or more edgy. And there was very little graphic violence in this film, I would say. There was very little disturbing content besides the feeling that it incites. There's nothing really on screen that is, you know, over the top or... You know, something like you'd find in Suspiria, for instance. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I haven't seen Under the Void either. In fact, the only other no movie I've seen was Irreversible. Yeah. And like to me, that movie was far more shocking than anything that we saw in Climax. The difference is, is that the stuff that, you know, you see in that particular movie is sort of assaulting you right away. And in Climax, you have sort of an anticipation that things are going to go bad, right? That shit's about to hit the fan. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? Next. And I, I don't think that we get that sort of payoff. Well, it's kind of a slow burn. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. And it, and it does keep happening. I never really felt like I didn't climax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it, there is some payoff uh, for all of the, the long extended, you know, camera sequences. And it really straddles that line where it the camera is following people in certain sequences where it almost seems to go on for a really long time. And it yeah. kind of straddles that line between boring and, you know, anticipation. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I really can't say, and we were talking about this last night as well, that I don't, I don't feel that I was bored watching this movie. No. Um, it, it does keep you interested. Yeah. But at the same time, I just wasn't completely, completely satisfied. So I... I don't know. I, I do like this movie opens with a dance troupe that has been newly formed, sort of having this dress rehearsal of a dance that they're going to be touring Europe and the United States with. And they've been rehearsing for three days or so. And we get to watch this dance number like we're sitting on the opposite side of the auditorium from them. So it's like actually watching it until the camera starts to pan around and you get to see like everything that's going on. And to me, that was like the best part of the movie. Well, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's not really so much the opening as it's the opening of the story because a lot of stuff happens before that. You see audition tapes of the right. dancers. You see the end of the movie before the movie actually begins. You see yeah. the end credits before the movie begins. There's a lot of weird artistic decisions that were made mm -hmm. uh, in this film. Uh, there's some credits in the middle of the film, actually. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you you actually see them do their rehearsal for this massive dance number. It's about a six minute long dance number. And I think you can find it on YouTube actually if you're interested. And um, But I would I would just suggest just to still see it with the rest of the movie. Yeah. But I, I was just thinking to myself by the end of it, I was like, this is probably one of the best dance performances ever committed to film. I have to agree. I was enthralled watching that. In fact, was so I was, well, I was thinking that I was like, like tapping my <clears throat> chin thinking, yeah, this is probably one of the best. He, uh, Robert turns around to me and goes, that just made me cry. My God. <laughs> By the time that dance sequence ended, like we're at the Alamo Draft House, obviously. So I got a beer, I got some food. I had to put down my chicken finger and just take a moment to weep silently in my chair. Like I was so moved by the way that this was filmed and and danced and choreographed and just everything about it was fantastic. There were some moments in that dance that are so unapologetically queer. And it just made me feel good both as a film goer and a gay man and I don't know what happened but I was overcome with emotion for Klimt, you might say mm -hmm. and I just had to tell my friend that you know I'm, I'm crying right now because of this I mean it, it touched me in a special place <laughs> yeah he climaxed emotionally yes yeah. at that particular part crying is like orgasms for sad people <laughs> 
But uh, there's something that I have to say about this film is that I, I would almost venture to say that it was expertly crafted because you almost want to say they randomly put music in there. They randomly like just, you know, turn the cameras and in, in ways that you could see, but there's like a 40 minute long shot, mm. which is huge. And it all had to be expertly choreographed. Not kind of like a dance in a way I'm sure with this huge cast and the way the music is, like the certain choices they made for the certain tracks that were played at certain times and the lighting and everything is expertly crafted in order to get you, you know, that feeling of, you know, coming up on something, you know, you're something's kicking in and then at the height of that and then coming down and everything. And it's just it really does give you that kind of contact high and put you in that situation. It's very transporting in that sense that it really does incite this feeling that you're there and that you are experiencing this in a way too. I sort of get the idea that he, I mean, obviously he had the idea for the script based on a personal experience, but I think that he, he chose his soundtrack first and then made the movie. Like these songs seem like they were chosen specifically and they serve great points in the plot like you just said right it's almost a character in itself in this particular or we need something a track that's really awesome you know that just keeps going right at a very heavy tempo and then essentially kind of slows down slowly and stuff and that really the auditory experience of that with the visuals really helps like to to make you feel like you're there and basically intoxicated in a way. Yeah. And, um, and the it, bass that's used is, is fairly well. I feel like, yeah, sure. Some of those, uh, maybe in a vast majority of them were picked beforehand, but the way they were placed and edited into the film was done very, very purposefully, I believe. I agree. And I mean, like it, there is a lot of like, you know, bass heavy thumping dance music. And then toward the end of the movie, you're given something like an instrumental version of the Rolling Stones Angie, which I think is very well placed in this movie. Yeah. The only actual actor I believe that's in this film that you would recognize or has a, even has a wiki page is uh, Sophia Batella. She's been in The Mummy and she was in um, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. And she's been in Star Trek Beyond and Kingsman. Uh, so she's fairly recognizable and she does a fairly cool dance uh, number herself as part of the the main cast mm-hmm. ensemble dance number. Yeah, she's uh, um, she's no stranger to genre. But I believe sure. almost everyone else in this film is really just a dancer. And I feel like they did as an ensemble an excellent job. So yeah, I completely agree. I read a review yesterday before we went to go see the movie. I think it was Richard Roper. You know, don't, don't quote me. But he part of his review that was so negative was that he felt that these dancers were not actors at all. And he thought that their portrayal was like stiff and wooden. And he was just like, you can tell they're not actors. And I completely disagree with him. I think for people who are not used to acting in film or stage and who, you know, just dance to get their story across. I think that the way they delivered dialogue and handled their characters was amazing. Well, at the same time, dancers in a way are actors because they know how to move their body in such a way to incite an emotion. And they prove that in that first oh, dance yes. sequence. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they're more naturally inclined to this sort of thing anyway. And so I felt like they did a fine job. Yeah. I didn't notice any bad acting. I, you know? I didn't either. I thought that everyone was was good. It was believable to me. Especially and when they're all drinking alcohol and on and that's laced with LSD, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're essentially all. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like different people act in different ways in those situations. And I think it was amazingly done. I know a lot of people in the community, the horror community, especially, they want to see this movie. It's anticipated. It played at Fantastic Fest in Austin last year. So, I mean, I know that it's considered genre 
or horror. But um, I was thinking after we watched it, I was trying to think about other, you know, quote unquote, drug trip movies, right? Mm, yeah. And where I would place this one with it, right? And to, I mean, it's it was a good movie and probably not something that I would ever watch again. But other movies that are similar to this, you know, that had that drug trippy feeling, things like Requiem for a Dream or even... Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, right? Like, these are all movies that I enjoy and that I liked, but I just have never watched again. Yeah, and I feel like Requiem for a Dream and that that's all of those are kind of different because they have a narrative flow. They have story and plot, right? Right. Climax is about this one party. As it could, Like I was mentioning to you after we got out, it almost seemed like this could have been a large montage in the middle of a larger movie, right? Because it's one night, one one thing is happening. There's not a lot happening as far as plot goes, as far as any of the characters' lives or human drama. There is some, but it's just, it's nothing to move a story forward. It's all like, what's going to happen by the end of the night? Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Yeah. Whose life is going to be ruined? How are they going to get over this? Like, you're not even thinking those questions when you're watching this film because you're in the moment so exactly. much. You can't escape the moment because it's unceasing. It's part of that 40 minute long shot, you know, where it's just going around the entire set essentially, which is a huge set. And I suppose that if you were in that particular situation yourself, then you also wouldn't be thinking about how this is going to affect the rest of your life or whose life is going to be ruined. Exactly. These are things that you don't think about until after you've come down from these drugs anyway. So Yeah. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, if you see one experimental psychological horror dance film this year, go back and see Suspiria. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, if you do come across this film uh, and you have some time and some patience and endurance, watch it. Uh, see what you think. Uh, it's worth it just for that opening dance number alone. Um, and if you really want to kind of experience a feeling, then go along for the ride. And I will say that after seeing Climax and having seen Reversible, I am really um, looking forward to going back and watching some of the rest of this director's oeuvre. And I would be really interested to see what you thought of this, his, his other movies as well. So I hope that one time you know, we could be able to come back and have a conversation about his work. Yeah. But we have to, we have to rate this movie. I guess well, we don't have to, but we normally do in a hot take. So out of five, what would you rate Climax? Mine is a five slash one. <laughs> <laughs> Simultaneously. Yes. Um, I got onto Letterboxd today and I listed it in my, my diary of films. And I sat there with the stars and mm, I hit three. So yeah. I think it's it's a solid middle of the road movie. It was It was both good and bad for certain reasons. I enjoyed it. Probably not going to watch it again. Yeah, to me, it wasn't just like there's good and bad that make a man movie, but this had excellent parts. Exactly. You know, and it had moments where I would just like lost all patience, mm -hmm. where I was actually got angry a little bit. And then I just, you know, got great again. So it's just such a huge ride to me. It's almost impossible for me to rate. It's an experience. It's not a normal film. I did hear you sigh a couple times watching a movie. <laughs> so, yeah. and uh, normally if I sigh way too much in a movie, I tend to view it as bad. There are some movies that I just sigh all the way through it, and that's not good. But this one is – this one's a three for sure. So One of the best things about our movie-going experience last night was seeing trailers. And uh, I, th I don't know how this escaped both of our radars, but uh, we saw a trailer for – The Field Guide oh, to yeah, Horror. The Field Guide to Horror, which is a, a six-six anthology, a six-short film anthology movie. Yeah, I think, oh, I think it's eight actually. So it's eight – segments based on folklore and these are all from directors different from different countries and so it looks 
<laughs> crazy. I, I really want to see this. And oh, I it, think it, it that, certainly doesn't look highfalutin. It looks straight up horror. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. And I'm glad that we got to do that. You know, the last time we did a hot take where you and I went to see the movie together was Anne and the Apocalypse. And we came away liking a trailer out of that, too. So, yeah, good movie watching experience for the trailers, for sure. Uh, I believe that that movie will be out by the time that we release this recording. Well, guys, if you have seen Climax, please let us know what you think. Did you like it? Did you get a contact high from this movie? Uh, we were really interested to know what you thought as well. And you can tell us on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter or Facebook. Or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. That's right. If you enjoyed this hot take and you want to listen to some others of ours, we have a couple on our main feed, but we also have many on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thefilmflamers. So go check those out for as little as $2. And let your voice be heard. On our next iteration of Shooting the Flames, we can play your voicemail. So give us a call at 972 666 Seven seven three three. That's right. Well, I think um, I feel the need to go take some drugs and dance around your living room, Chris. So, sweet, sweet dreams. dreams.